Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. We are on episode 35 this week, and we're going to be talking about Eight Perfect Murders by Peter Swanson. I went to go see Sonic the Hedgehog 2 with my son this week. He is lucky that I love him because that is a horrible movie. Do not watch it. (laughs) Usually I don't say don't watch it, but it was so bad. Looks like they're coming out with a third movie though, and I'm using it as a bribe. I know, I know, I'm a bad mom, but I'm still saying to my son, you want me to take you to Sonic the Hedgehog 3? You better go brush your teeth now. And it's working. So sorry, but I'm going to keep doing it as long as I can. (laughs) It was so worth it though. We had such a great time. We don't always go to the theaters to see movies. So it's kind of like an event for us. We brought our blankets, we had popcorn, and we shared gasp a soda. And if you followed along, you know I don't really drink soda. So this is pretty rare for me. And it was just okay. Like, I don't feel like I'm missing out on anything by not drinking soda. We had a root beer so we wouldn't both be on a caffeine high and awake all night. (laughs) Also, a little warning or caveat, I do have a sleeping pug next to me. So there may be some snoring in the background. He seems pretty loud to me, but maybe that's because I've been away for a little bit on vacation and just got back and missed my pug, but he seems so loud. (laughs) I'm continuing to see new listeners joining us. So thank you so much. I hope you're enjoying the podcast as much as I really enjoy sharing it with you. Please take a few moments to give it five stars, especially on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. This is where it makes the most difference. Of course, any support helps and I appreciate any of the support that I can get. Thank you so much for listening. Again, don't hesitate to email me as well. You can email me at don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. There's no apostrophe in the don't. And you can send me book ideas. You can send me show ideas, any feedback. I'm always open to hearing any of that. For the booze this week, I was thinking wine, of course, for this week's thriller was red wine goes, of course, with thriller murder mysteries. But I had to go with a beer in honor of the author, Peter Swanson. One of the things that stands out in Swanson's books for me is his attention to good booze and mostly good beer. I love how all his characters don't just grab a Miller Lite or a Bud Light because we know how I feel about those beverages. His characters are all very distinguished drinkers. And I just like that little detail that he adds to all of his stories. To me, it just makes the people seem a little more real and almost like people that I might know because they are good beer drinkers. They like beer. So I decided to offer up a beer pairing. I tried to find out what Swanson's favorite beer was, but for some reason, no one seems to have asked him that question. And that didn't make sense to me because as a journalist myself, I went to school for journalism. It seems like that would be an obvious question to kind of get away from the normal questions that authors probably get asked. Swanson talks a lot about beer in his books. That's something that is notable. That's something that's pretty obvious, I think. Why wouldn't an author or why wouldn't a journalist ask him about his favorite beer? So since I didn't have his favorite beer, I went with a classic, Boddington's Pub Ale. Boddington's has actually been around for more than 200 years and they have kind of an interesting history, so I wanted to share that. This is directly from their website, which I linked to in the show notes. Boddington's Brewery was founded in 1778 by Thomas Keister and Thomas Fry 
two grain merchants under the name Strangeways Brewing. In 1832, Henry Boddington joined the venture as a traveling salesman, and by 1848, Boddington had become a full-fledged partner in the operation. In 1853, Boddington borrowed money to become the brewery's sole owner, and by 1877 had increased its output from 10,000 barrels a year to 100,000 barrels a year, which is a huge increase. In 1886, when Henry died, his son, William Slater, took over the business, which was by then known as Boddington's Breweries Limited. Throughout the first quarter of the 20th century, Boddington's continued to be the largest brewery in Manchester and one of the largest breweries in all of Northern England. When World War II broke out, the brewery suffered a direct hit from a bomb onto its water tanks during the Manchester Blitz. When it was rebuilt, the new brewery featured the first stainless steel brewing vats in Europe. A household name in Northern England, Boddington's had by 1995 increased its production to 850,000 barrels a year. What started as a regional English ale has become today a British staple and international delight enjoyed by discerning drinkers on both sides of the Atlantic. So I think that's an interesting story, especially taking a direct hit from a bomb during World War II. That is crazy. If you know Bonnington's, if you've had, it's well known as a creamy, heady ale that isn't too heavy, but with a great body. Which sounds a little bit like me, if I do say so myself. Not too heavy, but a great body. (laughs) I know, you could all laugh at me making terrible jokes. This is a 4.7% alcohol by volume. So believe it or not, that's actually more than a Guinness, but not as much as Sweet Sunglasses, which I talked about a couple weeks ago. And I really like the Sweet Sunglasses by, oh, now I can't think of it. It's a Wisconsin brewer. Anyways, I really like the Sweet Sunglasses. If you can get it with nitro, that's the way to go. And oddly enough, we have not talked about nitro yet, and it's probably overdue. So check out the show notes for a few articles, which go into maybe a little more detail, but I'll talk a little bit about the differences. Nitro is different in the way that the carbonation injected into the beer is different than regular CO2. The bubbles are much smaller, so the result is a creamier and smoother beer. Nitrogen bubbles also fall to the bottom of the beer, whereas the CO2 rises to the top. When I was younger and knew even less about beers than I know now, which I'm starting to get to know a little bit more about beers, I did not like the nitro beers. I liked the more robust carbonation of the CO2. As I've continued to sample more beers and expanded my flavor profile, I can appreciate the difference now. And there are some beers that really are much better with nitro as well. It really helps enhance both the flavor and the drinkability. Something that pops to mind right away talking about nitro is another great great Milwaukee brewing company, which is City Lights Brewing. Their coconut order on nitro is probably one of the best beers I think I've ever had. So if you're in the Milwaukee area, I definitely recommend checking them out. It's worth it going either to the brewery or even getting the coconut porter in a can, it, it's really a good beer. I enjoy that one too. Let's talk a little bit more about Peter Swanson. This is from his website. Peter is the Sunday Times and New York Times bestselling author of eight novels, including The Kindworth Killing, winner of the New England Society Book Award, and finalist for the CWA Ian Fleming Steel Dagger, Her Every Fear, an NPR Book of the Year, and his most recent Nine Lives. His books have been translated into over 30 languages, and his story 
voice poetry and features have appeared in Asimov's Science Fiction, The Atlantic Monthly, Measure, Guardian, The Strand Magazine, and Yankee Magazine. A graduate of Trinity College, the University of Massachusetts, Massachusetts at Amherst and Emerson College, he lives on the North Shore of Massachusetts with his wife and cat. His books are Eight Perfect Murders, which of course we are talking about today, Nine Lives, The Kind Worth Killing, The Girl with a Clock for a Heart, Before She Knew Him, All the Beautiful Lies, Every Value Break, and Her Every Fear. So I didn't love his bio because it seemed a little dry, and he doesn't really seem like a dry person. He seems like kind of an interesting person. So I read a few of the interviews he gave, and he's married to the woman who seems to be the love of his life. And so that to me is really adorable. I love to see a good love story and I hope they're really happy and not just Instagram happy. He's also really inspired by some amazing authors. He talks a lot about classic mysteries that he's included in a lot of his novels. It's one of the ways that he pays homage to the authors and their impact on him and his life. Getting into The Eight Perfect Murders, FBI agent Gwen calls bookstore owner Malcolm Kershaw out of the blue one day. She has a theory that several murders she's been investigating may be connected to a blog post that Mal wrote a number of years ago called Eight Perfect Murders. Malcolm listed eight murders from famous mystery novels that he thought were almost perfect, and now Gwen feels that someone is replicating these murders, and they are all connected to Mal somehow. Though Gwen isn't who she seems to be, neither is Mal. (laughs) So, very intense. And I haven't had a chance to read all of Swanson's novels. I've kind of been on a Swanson kick, so I've read a lot of them. He references a lot of different murder mysteries in his novels, and you don't really have to have read those novels that he references in his books to really understand them. So same with Eight Perfect Murders. You don't have to have read these famous novels to really get a lot out of his book and really enjoy it. This one I listened to strictly on audiobook, and I absolutely loved it. It's been a long time that I found an author that I couldn't wait to pick up their next book the way that I wanted to read another of Peter Swanson's book. But I did. I started with Eight Perfect Murders. It's kind of been my favorite. I haven't listened to or read all eight of them, but I have really been enjoying his book. Eight Perfect Murders specifically was narrated by Graham Halstead. And as any audiobook listener knows, a narrator can make or break a book. And I really felt that Graham helped make the book. He spoke with a clean, even tone that was easy to follow but also perfect for the chilling revelations in the novel. Every time some revelation came up the way that he unfolded it in his tone of voice, it was really just perfect and I really enjoyed the narration. Some narrations by men fail miserably and for me personally, most notably, I just tried to listen to Northern Lights on audiobook rather than rereading it. I did the episode on Nora Roberts a couple weeks ago and I was talking about Northern Lights being kind of one of my favorite of hers. And I thought, oh, I'll I'll just listen to it on audiobook so I can listen to it and get some stuff down, done around the house, get some hiking in. But the narrator's voice for Mare Hop made me quit listening to it. I don't even know if I got 20 minutes into the audio version. It just ruined it for me. And Mare Hop plays a pretty big role. So I knew I'd be hearing that voice a lot. And it was just awful. So it was really disappointing. And while Halstead's Gwen wasn't maybe the best narration I have ever heard a man doing a woman's voice, it was still good. And I enjoyed his versions of the women in the story. For me, though, Halstead was Mal. 
after listening to him voicing Mal, there's no way I could ever read the book without hearing his narration in my head. It was just so good. And it felt like the voice was just perfect. So I could understand that why he was picked for this book. Mal is such an incredibly compelling main character. Slight spoiler alert here, so just a warning. Swanson creates an incredibly unreliable narrator here. And again, we've talked about this. The idea of unreliable narrators is nothing new. And Mal actually notes that in the novel. It's become a little more popular, again, of course, with The Girl on the Train by Paula Hawkins. I think that's kind of the big book, the big story that really enhances the idea of the unreliable narrator. But what I love about Swanson's creation of Mal, Mal is an unreliable narrator in a less obvious and more realistic way. People in general are just unreliable in their storytelling because of their memory recollection. And we've talked about that too, because when I was younger, I used to be 100% firm in that this is the way I remember it. So this must be the way it is. And that's not a real thing. Like people are fallible and they don't have great memories. People have horrible memories actually. So Mal is such a good unreliable narrator because he's created in such a human way. Mal is essentially telling us his story and is recalling through memory the events that occurred over a period of time. So again, he's just unreliable because he's human. He's a human character. Swanson is definitely my favorite kind of author. He not only uses those well-known mystery novels as their own kind of characters, but he also uses lesser known works that are probably just as readable as those really well-known ones. For example, he mentions And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie, which is arguably one of the best mystery novels of all times, as well as The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. I recently read And Then There Were None, and I wanted to pick up The Murder of Roger Ackroyd since someone recommended it on Reddit. And reading about it in this book, I definitely want to pick it up. I haven't had the chance to, but I did just listen to Murder on the Orient Express on Audible. Not on Audible. I actually listened to it on Scribed, but I listened to it on audiobook. And that, again, was such a good listen. There there's a readers that I know and I guess there aren't a ton of readers that I know but they had not heard of The Drowner by John D. McDonald and I hadn't heard of it either but I am intrigued by the premise and I wanted to pick up that one too. I think it's a special kind of book that makes you want to read more books by the author as well as turns you on to other books that you want to read just as much. Swanson pays homage to some incredible authors while at the same time creating a fascinating suspense thriller of his own. The setting of course, is perfect in my opinion. Overall, it's set in the New England area, which the way he sets it up seems almost gothic to me. Mal, being part owner of the bookstore, The Old Devils, might add to that gothic feel as well. I could just imagine myself being a patron or employee of the bookstore. I also loved the concept of the perfect murder. And as someone who is interested in true crime, of course, it's something that comes up a lot, whether or not the perfect murder is such a thing. I don't believe the perfect murder is such a thing. I'm more likely to believe that people get lucky or there's incompetence on the part of the investigators or one of the investigators even. People who have gotten away with murder, like I said, just kind of seem to be lucky rather than the killer being intelligent enough to evade detection. It's a bit of a study in human behavior and there's that question if such a thing, if the perfect murder is possible.
possible. Mal and Gwen discuss this together as well as contemplating the idea through investigation and contemplation. Mal is a character that's real to me in a way that most characters in thriller and suspense novels usually aren't real. I mean, his character isn't developed in the way that like Kristen Valdez Quaid developed her characters. And Swanson really isn't that kind of writer, but he's fleshed out. Mal is fleshed out in a way that he's imperfect and self-aware in a way that characters and thrillers usually aren't. I really liked this. I told my mom to read this book and she actually did not pick up on some of the thoughts that I thought she might pick up on. I usually try not to figure things out because I like to be surprised, but even she said that she did not see what was coming. And there are some great red herrings in this story, as well as some clues that seem obvious once you learn the backstory and once you figure things out. I was kept guessing the whole story and I questioned how it was going to end. I also loved how Swanson leaves the ending ambiguous. This is a really big spoiler alert. So if you don't want to hear this, good idea to skip ahead right now. But it is left up to the reader to decide if Mal is really the killer or not. Since Mal has revealed himself to be such an unreliable narrator, does Marty even exist? Or is he just a creation of Mal's on whom to lay blame? And after talking to my mom, again, this is super spoiler alert. This is just our opinion, but we talked about it. And we both think that Marty probably doesn't even exist and that Mal is the killer. But again, Swanson leaves it so ambiguous and open that it really could go either way. And you really don't 100% know. And I really like that ending. I really like the kind of unknown and it leaves it up to you to try to figure it out. After I finished this book, I then listened to The Kind Worth Killing and Nine Lives. Swanson does have similar themes, especially in those two books. That sort of thing bothers you, then I'd recommend taking a break between books. Since I listened all at once, I could kind of guess some of the things about the plot that I hadn't with Eight Perfect Murders. I was getting to know Swanson's style. For me, it didn't really get in the way of enjoying them, but I could see where it maybe would for others. I was about halfway through The Kind Worth Killing, and I was thinking I almost might like it better than Eight Perfect Murders. But then it took a turn I wasn't expecting, and I totally changed my mind. I decided I still liked Eight Perfect Murders better. After how fun I felt Eight Perfect Murders was, I was hoping for that same fun. But after one of the murders that happened, I was just disappointed. It was still a fabulous book, so don't not read it because I said that, but it wasn't quite, in my opinion, as good as Eight Perfect Murders was. I enjoyed Nine Lives, but I didn't connect to it and care about the characters as much as the other two books. So for me, that was third on my list out of the three that I listened to. And I listened to them all in about four days. They were all easy and exciting listens, and they were all unscribed. So again, check out Scribed. There's a link in the show notes. If you sign up using my link, you get two free months. I do get a free month as well if you sign up, but it is so worth it. I really love Scribed. They're not paying me to say it. I'm just enjoying it and want to share it with other readers out there. But for eight perfect murders, since that's the one we're focused on today, I gave it a five out of five. Goodreads gave it a 3.64. This is one of the lower ratings on Goodreads for a book that I gave five stars, which I thought was interesting because I really enjoyed this book. And maybe it's just because I haven't read something like this for a while, but I liked it so much. 
other reviews were, this book is incredible. There are so many things that come out of the blue. Good thriller gimmick. This was a quote out of the five Swanson books I read. I'd put this in third place. They also read The Kind Worth Killing first. And I wonder if I read that first, my opinion would be different or vice versa. I'm not really sure. Someone else said, meh, the ending was lackluster, which I actually found out to be quite the opposite. It's almost like a heartbreaking ending, but it also leaves the reader with that question of what you're supposed to believe. And I'd love to hear some listener thoughts on the ending and what you believe and what your thoughts were if you do decide to read the book. So if you read this, let me know what you think the resolution was and who you think the real killer is. (laughs) Someone was very mad that Swanson gives away some spoilers in the famous books he does discuss. So this is something to keep in mind. If you are wanting to read these famous mysteries, maybe read those first before Eight Perfect Murders. But honestly, all of these mysteries that Swanson talked about are pretty well known, or at least the ones that he gives the plot away for. So it wasn't really any surprise to me. If you are a mystery novel reader, you've probably already heard discussion about these books. Someone else said fun, but predictable. And again, my mom usually can guess everything. And she said she didn't think it was predictable. So I'm just going to leave that out there. (laughs) Media recommendations this week. Of course, I recommend the other two Peter Swanson books that I listened to, which again was The Kind Worth Killing and Nine Lives. Also, In the Dark on Netflix. For me, this was totally groundbreaking. The main character is blind and one of those like unlikable yet likable characters. She can be a complete bitch, but you're kind of rooting for her. (laughs) It's a murder mystery, but like the show Good Girls, Perry Matfield is amazing as Murphy, though Brooke Markham, who plays her best friend, is a total scene stealer. It's a great cast and a crazy premise. I'm really enjoying it. Thanks for joining me again. You can find me on Instagram at Don't Read Drunk. You can email me at don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. Check out my website at don'treaddrunk.buzzsprout.com. This is a hobby podcast, so please consider supporting me. You can do a one-time donation on PayPal through PayPal using my email, don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. That's no apostrophe in the don't. You can also support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don'treaddrunk. There's also the link to Patreon in my show notes. Thank you so much for my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at 1UP Tell Sunup, who created the music. Aaron is amazing. You can find him and 1UP Tell Sunup. That's the number one, U-P-T-I-L-S-U-N-U-P. You can find him on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House. You can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue-coffeehouse.com. Next episode, we'll be talking about Midnight at the Blackbird Cafe by Heather Weber. Bye and talk to you soon.